What's up? Good morning, everyone. Oh, my goodness. This is such a good-looking crowd. This is amazing. Eight o'clock wasn't, so um, <laughs> you guys are looking. It's going to be easy to talk to you guys this morning, let me tell you. Um, let me just start by saying this about child dedication. I love them. Um, and that should go without saying, my name is Trevor. I'm the elementary pastor, so hopefully... Hopefully that guy loves child dedications and families and kids and all those things. Um, but let me tell you what I love about child dedication. It, there is, there's nothing magical about, about that day, about that, that five minutes of dedicating your child. Um, but there is something very intentional about it. And here it is. This is a big place. Valley Real Life. It's a lot of families. It's a lot of kids. If you're over in the check-in area at 930 trying to check your kids in, it gets a little chaotic. And this is the best opportunity for you to, first of all, say, we are going to raise our kids to know and love and follow Jesus, and this is going to be an important thing in our home. The other thing is this, you, we get to meet you, and you get to meet us, and you get to ask your questions, and we get to get to know your family a little bit and ask you some questions, and then along the way uh, of life, when you have questions, you know who you're reaching out to to ask. When you go, hey, my kid's struggling with this, you're not just calling a stranger, like you're calling Trevor or Michelle or Nicole, the person that you met on our kids team at that child dedication. So I just love the way it allows us to partner with you. And so um, if you've never dedicated your child before, I want you to know this is not a salvation ceremony, okay? Um, your, your kid will not be more or less in or out of heaven because you did this. But it's your way of saying we are going to raise our kids to know Jesus, to follow Jesus. And as parents, we're allowing you to hold us accountable to that. That's what it is. And so um, sign up, it's online and it's, it's worth it. It's awesome. I just, I'll just, I'm gonna take the rest of my sermon just talking about it, I guess. Um, no, because I only have 25 minutes, um, but I have about a 40 minute sermon here. And so uh, just so you know, I'm not gonna talk crazy fast. I'm not gonna try and get it all in. We're just gonna get as much as we can and whatever we miss, we're gonna miss, uh, but you're still gonna walk out with something. Deal? Awesome. Okay, so this series, Words to the Wise, we are talking about the Word of God. We are talking about the Bible, that the Bible is living and active and that Jesus said things and that God gave messages to people and they wrote those things down and now we get the benefit of having them. And that was really Dan's entire week one of like, this is what the Bible is. And then last week, uh, he talked about the Bible corrects and rebukes us. Hey, did you know that sometimes you do things wrong? Did you know that? Sometimes you mess up and God in heaven is just like, what are you doing? And we can actually go to God's word and it will go, hey, you know that thing you're doing that you shouldn't be doing? Stop it. And there it is, corrects and rebukes us. All right, check, that was week two, let's move on. This week, we are learning about the word of God and how it teaches and sustains us. We're gonna talk today about the word of God as spiritual nourishment and how to read the Bible for spiritual nourishment. Because next week, spoiler alert, we're gonna talk about the, the word of God as it teaches, or uh, sorry, as it trains and equips us. And so if you're gonna go into any sort of training, you need to have eaten the proper calories, the proper carbs, the proper protein, okay? Um, for example, I did a bike race this summer. It was a 24-hour bike race. I knew I'm gonna get on this bike at noon, and I'm gonna ride in this 40-mile circle for the next 24 hours. And, and let me tell you this, I learned so much about, you need to start eating the right amount of carbs, proteins, fats 
two weeks before, and then a week before, and then a couple days before. There's a thing called overhydration. Did you know this? That if you drink too much water ahead of time, it will actually dehydrate you come race day. And I just thought, no, drink it all. Drink all the water you can. And they were like, no, if you do that, what will happen is you'll pee it all out. You'll have nothing left in your body, and then you'll pass out. I said, I had no idea. So here's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how do you consume Scripture in a way that allows you to train for what God has planned for you while not overdoing it because there's a way that we as Christians can become so inundated with scripture that we go, hey, I can do all the word studies on all the things that Jesus ever said, but you've never told anybody about Jesus. And that's a problem. Like, I don't care how much you know about God's word if you're not following God's word. So we're gonna find this balance and help you find this balance. And, and this, is, this is a tricky thing because in our church, like at Valley Real Life specifically, we talk about Jesus is the word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then every week we say, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And we are reminded on a weekly basis that Jesus apparently tasted like a packing peanut. <laughs> and you open up this little thing and you go, Jesus, that's an unpleasant taste. <laughs> And you, you put the communion bread in your mouth and it starts to dissolve and you're like, oh, sweet. It's like a little dissolvable thing. And then it just gets stuck in your throat. <laughs> I wish I had a drink with it. Oh, they provided a drink. And then you look, you're like, that's not gonna be enough for what's going on here. Um, it's like Judas's backwash from the Last Supper. And you have to, you drink that. And so as I'm here today telling you, hey, we're going to talk about the word of God as food. You're like, listen, you just, you just gave me a little, a little Jesus snack, and I wasn't a fan. Um, I was told this by someone, hey, if you, if you find that our communion is not good enough, it's probably just because you're not spiritual enough. Someone said that to me. I said, fair enough, I'm going to hell. Um, so I just want to say, what we're going to talk about are the words of Jesus, the words of God today. But I want to start with our passage from the entire series from 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Let me just straight up tell you today's big idea, okay? The dominant thought of the day. When you go home and, and someone asks you, you go to church today, you say, sure did. And they go, what'd you learn? And you go like this, oh, I don't remember. Because this is what happens. Um, I lead a small group on Mondays. And the amount of times that on Monday night, I go, I can't remember what church was about yesterday. is embarrassing. I'm gonna tell you right now, this is what today's church is about. If you don't know how to feed yourself, you will spiritually starve. There it is, okay? If you don't know how to feed yourself, you will spiritually starve. And in a second, I'm gonna nerd out over a little chart um, but here's the thing. People walk into church for the first time ever and they learn about God, okay? They hear who Jesus is and they say, this is amazing. And then they, they learn and they learn and they learn and they learn and it's, and it's amazing until a certain day and they just realize, I'm just not being fed at this church anymore. They're just not going deep enough for me. When a year ago, this was the deepest thing they had ever heard. So they leave the church and they go to a different church and there's a different style and the worship is different and the preaching is different. And they, they preach maybe straight through a book of the Bible. They go, this, this is how people should teach for a year. And then they go, I'm just, just not being fed here. And they just continue to starve 
while they walk in with a Bible that is like literally, it's a red robin bottomless fries situation going on here. You have, you have an endless supply of spiritual nourishment in your Bible, but you're just waiting for the pastor who's preaching to just like baby bird you this food and go, here's the Bible. And the second that we go, hey, we're gonna need you to eat on your own. You go, no, I'm not gonna do that. And part of that's on us, us being the church, that if you don't ever learn how to eat on your own, you're not gonna eat on your own, okay? So today's message very well might be what you need to learn how to eat on your own, or it might be a really good tool for you to use with your own kids, both physical kids or spiritual kids. Now, spiritual kids, what do you mean by that? Well, let's nerd out over this chart together, shall we? Go ahead and throw it up on the screen behind me. Um, This chart is the life cycle of a spiritual journey, and it starts with being spiritually dead. This is, I have no interest in anything religious, anything faith-related, anything Jesus-related. I have no interest. I'm done. I'm dead. The, The similarity to being the physical version of dead is I have no interest in what's going on in the world. It does not impact me because I am dead. Okay, so then we jump to, oh, you've been born again, or in a, in a real life sense, I've been born. And now you're an infant, and as an infant, you know nothing, and you are simply here to take, 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 learn, 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 and that's great. Like, I had, I had a baby at one point in time. He's two now, he's not a baby, but when we brought that baby home, I wasn't just like, man, all this kid does is like, take, 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 what a mooch, <laughs> okay? That's not, that's not how you view it. You go, hey, this is what he needs right now. He is completely, completely dependent on, on his parents. And when someone's new to faith, they are completely dependent uh, on the church and on the people in their circle that brought them to Christ. And what happens as they become children, um, my two-year-old eats on his own. We give him a spoon. He has his cup. He eats. That being said, he does not prepare his own meals, okay? And spiritual children are capable of learning and consuming God's word on their own, but a lot of times they need help to do that. And things are still pretty selfish for them. I love my church because I love the worship there. Would you not love your church if you didn't love the worship there? That's a spiritual child question. Then we we jump to young adulthood. And this is, think think college student for this example. Um, As a college student, they are mostly independent of their parents. They go off to college, um, but guys, college students make the dumbest mistakes, okay? It's just, it just is what it is. Hopefully they're learning from those mistakes, but they are making mistakes. And, and spiritual young adults, they are, they are learning, they are growing on their own. They're also making mistakes and learning from those mistakes. And then finally, we have the, the parent part of this. We don't call it adulthood. We don't call it maturity um, because what we want is for you to be disciple makers teaching other people about Jesus. And so you might go, hey, this person doesn't know about Jesus. I'm gonna introduce them to Jesus. And now they are your spiritual child. And they're that infant that just takes, 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 takes. And you might have to supply some of that for them, okay? So I want you to do for a second is I want you to think real humbly about this. And where are you on this wheel? Because if you've gone to church for like, 40 years, and you're like, man, I'm killing it. I'm killing the church game. And you realize that you've never like shared your faith with someone. You haven't finished the wheel yet. And there's more to be done. So what we're gonna do is talk about this. Now, what I love is that something that Paul says to the Corinthians is this. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world 
spiritually dead, or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. What we're going to talk about today is going, hey, if you're a spiritual infant, that's totally fine. You could be 45-year-old male with three kids, and you're walking in today, and you go, hey, I require milk, not solid food. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Likewise, I know 14-year-olds that have baptized their parents, and they have this weird dynamic of like physically parent-child, spiritually parent-child. It's, it's awesome, but it's very odd. It doesn't matter how old you physically are and where you land on that chart, but I need you to know this. If you are an infant, I want to give you some things that you can use to begin feeding yourself. If you are a parent and you go, I've got a, I've got a good thing going here. Not, not even in a cocky way, just like, I don't, is this sermon going to be for me? Use these as tools with your children, okay? Both physical and spiritual children. The first one is this. When you open your Bible, the stories don't always make sense. Uh, the Bible is not written page one to page 2,000 chronologically, and it jumps around a little bit, and that can be confusing. And sometimes the books are prophecy, and sometimes the books are narrative, and sometimes they're books of poetry, and it's very confusing to a brand new believer. So let me say this. When you read Bible stories and you start to find yourself wandering, I do all the time because I have ADD, okay? When you are reading a Bible story and it's not making sense, I want you to, I call this the Hollywood Bible, okay? And I want you, as you're reading the story, to envision the characters in the story as your favorite Hollywood actors and actresses, okay? It's that simple. When you read the story, don't just envision them as, as old people from a long time ago with weird names. Put in a celebrity, okay? For example, when you're reading the story of Zacchaeus, we know that Jesus is teaching and everyone's crowded around because they want to see the teacher, the rabbi, but Zacchaeus, who was a short little man, comes up and he can't see Jesus and he goes, I want to see, um, can, will anyone let me through? And they say, no, because Zacchaeus was a tax collector and he was basically a turncoat who worked for Rome and everyone hated him. He said, fine, then I'll climb a tree to see. And I have to go in my brain and go, who just looks like someone that wouldn't have a lot of friends and is also very short? And I plug in Danny DeVito. <laughs> when, I, when I read the story of Zacchaeus, I picture Danny DeVito, Okay. This is okay. And I know someone out there is like, he's not Middle Eastern. It's okay. Okay? I picture, I could, you could ask me, hey, what about this story? And I would tell you who I envision. I, I'm not going to tell you who my Jesus is because I, want, I don't want to ruin that for you. Okay? But like when I read every single story in the Gospels, I picture this one person as Jesus. And no, it's not Jim Caviezel from The Passion of the Christ. It is a different person. I know you were thinking it. So here's why I want you to do this. Because the stories might not always make sense, but this is what I tell kids and kidmen. The Bible story, like about Zacchaeus, is not about Zacchaeus. It is about God. Every single story in the Bible is about God. And Zacchaeus is just the side character that comes along so that we can learn something about God. Okay? In Zacchaeus, we learn that Jesus says, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. Despite the fact that everyone hates you and you are a sinner and a tax collector, I value you and you are worthy of forgiveness and worthy of salvation and worthy of my love. That's what we learn from the story of Zacchaeus. So you need to be able to read these stories. Or in the creation account, Genesis 1, in the beginning, uh, the world was formless and empty. And the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And God said these four words, let there be light. 
and there was light. But we know from that same story that on day four, God creates the sun, moon, and stars. So therefore, there is light on day one, despite the fact that there is no sun, no moon, and no stars, nothing to reflect light, nothing to emit light. So you jump to the end of the, end of the story in Revelation, where we learn that in the throne room of God, it will always be light. There will always be glory. We'll sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It will never be dark. It will never be morning because of God's glory that we see in Genesis 1. But the light that he emits when he says, let there be light, is his glory, that his light is all that is necessary to light up this world, okay? We learn that from a story. So if you're brand new to church, you're brand new to faith, spiritual infant, read the stories and ask yourself, man, what does this story tell me about God? Okay, that's the first thing. Second option is this. These are all options for you, by the way. I call it the SOAP method. I don't call it that. Everyone calls it that. It's really common. If you Google the SOAP method, um, someone from Etsy will tell you how to make goat's milk soap, and then someone else will tell you how to do this Bible study. When you do this, it's this simple. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. Okay? And I thought, man, I'll just walk them through the steps here. And I said, that's, no, we have the opportunity to practice it right here and right now. So I'm going to be reading a Bible story, a Bible passage, really, not even a full story, from John chapter 4, verses 27 through 38. It's going to be on the screen behind me, but if you want to save it in your Bible, um, you can either, you know, mark it on your paper or um, on the YouVersion app, you can, you know, hit that little button. So it goes like this, just then his disciples came back and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her or why are you talking to her? Okay, when we talk about observations, that's gonna stand out to us, but we're not gonna talk about that today, but that's a whole other thing. Okay, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? That's a whole other thing that we're not gonna talk about, but that should stand out to you as well, observations. So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Note that. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. And then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another harvests. And it's true. And I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work and now you will get to gather the harvest. There's our scripture. What stands out? Okay, I made this one really obvious. I added inflection points in the reading, okay? What stands out is that Jesus says, hey, I don't need to eat that food right now because I'm actually energized by doing the work of the one who sent me. And then he goes on to say explicitly, this is what that work is. What he says is that the harvest is ripe. It is time to go harvest crops. Okay, what are the crops? The crops are people learning about Jesus, souls. He says, some people have already planted. They have already said, let me introduce you to Jesus. And they've begun to grow and begun to ask questions. He says, but I'm sending you to harvest where you did not plant. And all I need you to do is go and follow up with those people. And when that person comes to Christ, it will be equal joy for the harvester and the planter. They started the work, you finished the work. We all get to celebrate. And when I finish the work that Jesus sent, it provides, or that God sent me to do, it provides nourishment. 
That's what we learn from the observations in this passage. That's what stands out. So then you ask the next question, how does this impact the way I live? Application. Okay, well, I know that if I harvest, people will come to know Christ. And when people come to know Christ, there's celebration for everybody involved, both the one harvested and the one harvesting and the one planting. So what do I do? You harvest. Hello. You go and you tell people about Jesus. You go, hey, do you know Jesus? They go, actually, I do. You go, great, and you move on. And then you go, hey, do you, do you know Jesus? They go, yeah, actually, I do. This is what Mormons do this so well. They knock on my door. They hey, do you know Jesus? And I go, yes. And they go, great. And they get on their bikes, and they go to the next house. And they go and continue to tell people about God. Hey, guys, I'm not saying that we need to all go on two-year missions, but I am saying we probably need to try and talk about Jesus to people because Jesus said to and she said and when you do it you'll be filled with a joy you the one who accepts Jesus the one who initially started the conversation we want people to know Jesus we want them to follow God and when they do there's a celebration and then you do the you do this really dangerous thing afterwards you pray afterwards um don't pray for things unless you want them to happen Okay, that's, that's my advice here. Um, if, you want, if, you're, if you feel like you need more patience in your life and you ask God for patience and you say, God, allow me to be more patient, um, that's a real bad move if you don't really want patience. You're, gonna, you're about to hate the next six months, okay? I'm telling you this because I'm gonna, I am gonna pray for us in just a moment to pray that God would send us into the harvest field, that, that there would be obvious crops ready to be harvested, souls ready to hear about Jesus. Um, if you pray that prayer for yourself, I just want you to know that opportunity is going to arise and you can't just not do it, okay? All right, let's pray. Dear God, uh, we just come to you today to just, we pray for opportunity. Um, we know that people out there are planting, people out there are sharing the good news of you with people who at this point might not be ready to accept it, but God, I pray that you would put us in the right place at the right time to share the good news of you that we might harvest the fields that are ready for you, for your name, and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. Okay, that's, that's the start to finish Bible study. That's the SOAP method, okay? You know, if you can open your Bible to, to a piece of scripture, you can read it, ask the question, what stands out, and then move on from there and go, okay, what do I do about this? And then you pray. All right, one more option for you. Um, it's version and right now media. One of these is an app, um, primarily, one's primarily a website. If you go to our church website, vrl.church, you can actually get right now media for free. It's video-based Bible studies and, and various uh, Bible resources. Now, this is the HelloFresh of Bible study, okay? It is curated and delivered straight to you exactly what you need to the point that if you go, listen, I'm really struggling with some grief right now, and you type in the word grief in the search bar, and it goes, here are seven Bible studies about grief. And you click start, and it opens up the Bible verses that, that it wants you to read. You put zero thought into that. You go, this is what I need. You type it in, and it gives it to you. Right now, media, uh, similar, it's, it's video-based. So you might say, hey, I, wanna, I really want to get to study a book of the Bible. So you search Ephesus or Ephesians. And it pulls up a study by J.D. Greer, and it's him on video walking you through the entire book of Ephesians while in Ephesus. He's there going, hey, here's some, here's some cultural context. You can see where I am. So when Paul said this in this place, here's what he's referring to. It's so engaging 
for someone who's not quite sure how to read the Bible. It's there to be easy for you. That's why it's there. It wants you to be successful. So I'm telling you this because I want you to open the Bible and read. But sometimes you don't know where to start and it can be uninteresting or straight up boring or confusing. And these are all ways to fix that. Because what I don't want is for you to sit here for a year and go, man, when I first started, I was getting fed every single week and now I leave hungry. Like we, we, don't, we don't have the time to be hungry. Because here's the thing, I learned this too on my bike ride. Um, when you are in the middle of a 24-hour bike ride, if at any point you start to get hungry, you will not catch up. You won't. If you, if you are hungry after 18 hours on a bike, I don't care how many pickles you eat, it will not fill you up. I can't. To, to get caught up, here's what I do. I just sit in a car for four hours and get to a hotel and then order an entire large meat lover's pizza and eat the entire thing as I laid in a bed like, like a ball of sludge, okay? Here's why I use that imagery. Because if you are, are out here to do the work of God who sent you, and you're not filling up, you're not fueling with his nourishment, you're not gonna be able to do the work that he sent you to do. And you're here for a purpose. And if that purpose is put aside because you just decided I couldn't open my Bible, going to feel like a ball of sludge. That's not how God will view you, but that's how we view ourselves. We're so hard on ourselves, always. And we just, I just can't have that for you. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna give you some next steps because again, I get it. I'm hard on myself, you're hard on yourself. I wanna make this so tangible for you that you walk out and you go, hey, I can do this. I can feel like a winner. I can grow closer to God and I can share my story with other people. So the first thing is this, a daily reading habit. If you only eat on Sunday mornings, physically, if you, like, if you get up and you eat breakfast and you go, great, I ate that omelet, it was delicious. And you don't eat again until next Sunday, you're gonna be pretty ill, Okay. So get in the habit of reading the Bible every single day and use one of, of these methods I told you. Read the stories of the Bible and ask, what does that tell me about God? Or use the SOAP method or, or use version. Oh man, version is great because what it does is uh, it gives you like a daily streak. Every time you open it, it adds to it. And so it like, gives you that motivator of like, I don't wanna lose my streak. And so you need to reopen it. Sometimes though, it turns into the whole Fitbit thing where you're like, I'm almost at 10,000 and you're sitting in bed doing this. And then your wrist buzz, you're like, I made it, 10,000 steps. And it's like, no. Um, have I ever opened the Uversion app and not actually read the Bible because I just needed to keep my streak alive? Yeah. Am I proud of it? No. But is my streak crazy good? Yeah. So I say this to say, you need to be eating every day. You need to be reading God's word for nourishment every single day. By the way, for nourishment if you're reading in the Bible so that you can go tell your neighbor who's gay that God doesn't love them, that's, that's not nourishment. That's wrong. Don't do that. 
That's the worst way to do that. If you're reading your Bible because you have to teach a small group or lead your small group on Tuesday and uh, you don't remember what the sermon was, you better go read it again. That's not for nourishment. That's so you don't look like an idiot. Okay, I told you, I do that a lot. I'm not judging. What I'm telling you though is that you have to read the Bible with this purpose of going, hey, God sent me to do something and I, I need the energy to do it. Now, if you are like, hey, I read my Bible currently zero days a week, seven days a week, every single day is not gonna happen. Okay, let's try something else, okay? So this is one option. Here's another one. Um, scripture memorization. Take one verse, open up, open up your Bible to a story about Jesus. Find something that Jesus said that, that is relevant to your life and say, I'm gonna just memorize the words of Jesus right now, okay? You, you put that on your mirror, you put that in your car, you put that on your desk at work, and every day you just, you just repeat that over and over and you memorize it. If you have a kid, a physical child, okay, who is scared of the dark, help them memorize Bible verses about God saying, do not fear for I am with you, or that God is light, and have them memorize these verses so when they are scared of the dark, they can go, but God is with me, but God is with me, but God is with me. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by Satan, Satan said, hey, turn these rocks into bread. And you know, what, you know what he said? Man cannot live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. He quoted scripture. And what he didn't do was this. Hold on, devil. I need to go research this really quick. He just quoted it. Because when you're, when you're being tempted, when you are in a trial, you might not have the energy to go and find that in your Bible. But if you have it already in there, it's there. Maybe scripture memorization is not for you. Man, I'm just not, I just don't have a good memory. Okay, let's try this. Journaling. Confession time. Journaling, not really for me. Okay, it's not my thing. Like I said, I have ADD. I can't just sit down and write and write and write and write and write. Uh, but here's what people love about journaling. People, people I talk to that love it, here's what it is. On November 14th, this is what I was going through. This is what I read in God's word. This is how it spoke to me. A year from now, on November 14th of 2022, you go, hey, wh where was I a year ago? What was going on? What was I reading in the Bible? And it's that constant reminder. Every single day you go, hey, what was I doing a week ago, a month ago, a year ago? And it's always this reminder of where God is showing up in your life. And some people love it. Okay, so maybe you're not a journaler and, and maybe you're not uh, a daily reader and maybe you don't wanna memorize scripture. Okay, okay. <sighs> Let's try one more thing. I've said it 19 times. Let's say it one more. Use the YouVersion app or right now media. Here's why. Um, because some of you are exhausted. You're burnt out. You're done. And the last thing that you need is for someone to say, yeah, but have you prayed about it? I need you to, I need you to go to right now media. I need you to go to YouVersion. And I need you to let someone else do the work for you. Let them curate, and you just, you just open up, verse of the day, read that. Hey, here's, here's what I'm struggling with in my life right now, read that. It, it is as easy as opening your phone, and you're done, okay? And I say that because for some of you, that's really all that you can muster right now, and I want you to know that that's, that's acceptable. You can do that. But for others of you, I just said that to you and you went, I don't know, it's not really for me. And if you can't do that, if you're not willing to put that amount of effort in, then you're gonna be real hungry real fast. That's just, that's just a fact. And I can't do anything about that. 
I can't, I can't just make sure you're always fed. The pastor on stage can't just make sure you're always fed. You have to have some ownership in this. And so I want you to know that this is, this is the lowest barrier of entry and it works. It works. I want you to eat because temptation and trials and training are coming and you have to be ready. Father God, we love you and we thank you for the gift that is your word. God, I pray that we use your word for food, for strength, for energy, for nourishment. God, that we, we know you have sent us here to do something and, it, and it's, it's the same, but it's unique for every single person here, God. And I just ask that we would do that. Like I ask that we would do what you sent us to do while understanding that we need you to do it. And so God, I pray that we would open up your word and that we would feast upon your words that we would, we would get this, this overwhelming sense of just Holy Spirit strength from surrounding ourselves with you. And we would continue to share the good news of Jesus with as many people as we can. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen.